I want to invite you to take your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have. If you don't have any of that, the Scripture is on the screen. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15, reads like this. And he said, Hearken you, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor be dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, <laughs> but God's. The battle is not yours, but God. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about never lose faith in the end of the story. Never lose faith in the end of the story. Admiral Jim Stockdale, I give that name Admiral Jim Stockdale, and probably most people doesn't have a clue who Admiral Jim Stockdale is or was. But perhaps you remember this. Some of you are old enough to remember this. There was a guy named Ross Perot who ran for president. Remember the guy had the big ears? He ran for president, and he had a vice president. His name was Admiral Jim Stockdale, and this is the guy. But what you may not know, he was a prisoner of war in the Vietnam War longer than anybody else. He literally was a prisoner of war for eight years. And this man was tortured in every imaginable way. They literally ripped off his fingernails. They drove spikes through his body. They beat this man. They starved this man. They electrically shocked this man. He went through torture beyond measure for eight years in Vietnam. He survived. And they asked Admiral Jim Stockdale, how did you survive? And these were his words. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never lost faith in the end of the story. You know, Winston Churchill said this. Sir Winston Churchill said, success is moving from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Success is moving from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. See, folks, in our lives, I know this don't go along with some of the TV preachers. Many of the TV preachers are happy clappies. Happy clappies. But people are spiritually disillusioned because of that preacher, of that preaching. I heard one preaching the other day, and I, I don't know why I watched that. I need to get back to wrestling. But anyway, <laughs> he was talking about if you just sowed so much seed, your wayward child would come home. If you sowed so much seed, your loved one would be healed. Well, here's the catcher. If they really want to sow seed, why don't they recommend that go that seed go to some orphanage? Why don't they recommend it go to some missionary or some local church instead of them? Folks, you don't, you, you don't buy a miracle. You don't manipulate God. He, he's sovereign. And God, God never promised us, folks, if we'd live for him that, Everything would always be wonderful. 
As a matter of fact, he promised us right the opposite, that there are going to be some difficulties and there are going to be some challenges and there are going to be some struggles in our lives if we live for the Lord. It's going to happen. And let me give you some background to this story. King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. He was a good man. He had set up good judicial rules, a good, pretty much godly man. He had led the Judah in revival. But the Bible says this, Judah being small, there was three massive armies came against Judah. Ammon came against Judah, Moab came against Judah, and Mount Seir came against Judah. Judah was greatly, greatly outnumbered. And it seemed like that they were going to be destroyed. Now, God had blessed them and this is what I've learned about life and Christianity. Right after God blesses you, Satan's going to blast you. Right after God blesses you, Satan's going to blast you. And what was happening, God had blessed, and here comes the blast. And King Jehoshaphat realizes we're going to be destroyed. I've got three major enemies they're coming at us. And folks, let me tell you something. We believers, we've got three major enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. They're coming at us. So when you're in the heat of the battle, what do you do, pastor? You know, I love to learn from other people. And I can think of nobody better to learn from than biblical people. And Jehoshaphat gives us some principles to, to follow when we're in the heat of the battle. The first thing he did, ladies and gentlemen, is he established his purpose. <laughs> he established his purpose. And I'll explain in just a minute. I love what Winston Churchill said. Winston Churchill, who, by the way, his mother was an American, Winston Churchill said, Americans always do the right thing after they've exhausted all of other measures. <laughs> and sometimes, folks, when a battle is raging, we exhaust other measures. But I want you to see something. In verse 3, the first thing Jehoshaphat did is he set himself to seek the Lord. To set himself to seek the Lord. And I read that and it blessed me. But then I realized something. In 2 Chronicles 17 and 4, at a tough time, Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 18 and 4, at a tough time, he sought the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 19 and 3, in a tough time, he sought the Lord. I love what John Bunyan said. This is a great quote. If you're writing, write it down. John Bunyan said, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can't do any more than pray until you have prayed. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can't do any more than pray until you have prayed. A lady wanted to come and see me a few weeks ago. 
She said, Pastor, I understand that you're praying for families in your church to have children. I said, I am. I carry their names with me. And each day I'm calling those names out. And I'm saying, God, give those families babies. Give them children. I'm praying. She said, well, I heard about it. And I wanted to tell you my story. She said, we couldn't have children. But she said, God gave us children. And she said, you know what I started doing? I said, no, tell me what you do. She said, I started praying for other people that didn't have children. And God gave me children. She said, what do you think about that? I said, it's biblical. James 5 and 16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray one to another that ye may be healed. What's God saying? When we're going through a difficult situation, we pray for people that are going through it, and in turn, God touches us. Here's what I'd say, folks. When the enemy's coming at you, when the enemy's coming at you, he established his purpose. Let me tell you the second thing he did. He examined his past. In verse 7, Jehoshaphat said, Art not thou, O God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel? Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat said, God, it was you who led the children of Israel here. It was you who worked it all out. You know what we need to do, folks? When we're going up against a battle, we need to remind ourselves that we've got a God that's faithful. We need to be like David said, the Lord delivered me out of a paw of a lion. The Lord delivered me out of a paw of a bear. And the Lord will deliver this giant into my hand. We need to examine our past and say, God, I've been through enough to know you'll be enough for me. You're going to see me through this. God, you've seen my business through things. You've seen our family through things. You've seen uh, hardships. You've seen our children. Folks, we got a good God that we ought to give praise. He's been faithful. There's a verse that just blesses me to death. It's in 2 Timothy 2 and 13. If you believe not, what does that mean? That means, folks, if we're not faithful, if we're not faithful, he's still faithful. If we're not He's still faithful. I told Barbara one time, I said, Barbara, I'd, I'd rather die as being unfaithful to you. She said, don't worry. If you are, you will. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. We have a faithful God. Barbara and I got married. Two kids. So young, we didn't know whether to go on a honeymoon or summer camp. <laughs> didn't own one piece of furniture. Moved in a furnished trailer. Paid the rent weekly. That was the trailer. You could drop your handkerchief down on the floor and have carpet wall to wall. <laughs> I carry that picture in my Bible. It reminds I'm not rich now, folks, so don't you get that in your mind. I'm not rich now, 
But it reminds me that God's been faithful, and God's been good to me, and God's been good to you, and God's been faithful to all of us. He established his purpose. He examined his past. Let me tell you what else he did. He embraced a promise. He embraced a promise. It's, it's there in verse 9. But let me explain to you. After Solomon dedicated the temple, God gave Solomon this promise. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If I shut up heaven that there be no more rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. But verse 14 says, if my people. Oh, folks, somebody said, well, if the ACLU would quit doing this and the Democratic Party would quit doing that and the Republican Party would quit doing that and this branch would quit doing that. Do you really think that's the answer? Folks, the answer lies with the people of God. If my people, if my people, oh, folks, the world's going to act worldly. The world's going to act lost. We just need to make sure the church acts like the church. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. You say, well, what are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. When you're going through a tough time, you need to embrace a promise. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm going through a tough time. Will you embrace Hebrews 13 and 5? I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You embrace Romans 8 and 28, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God. You embrace Philippians 4 and 19. You say, Pastor, financially it's tough. Embrace, hold on to Philippians 4 and 19, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'll tell you what I've embraced many times. Psalms 68 and 5. Where God said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. And I've said to God on many occasions, Lord, I didn't even have a daddy. He said, you got me. I'll be a father to the fatherless. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. You ever, you ever, you ever sometimes feel like, I've tried, I, I try to be good. I try to do the right thing. I try to, I try to be a good person, but it just doesn't seem to work. Every time I make my mark, somebody paints the wall. If I became the president of General Motors, they'd outlaw cars. I mean, he's just terrible, Pastor. What do you claim? You claim Galatians 6 and 9. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we're going to reap if we faint not. Oh, folks, we don't live our lives based on explanations. We live our lives based on promises. And Jehoshaphat, he embraced this promise. Let me tell you the fourth thing he did. He exposed his powerlessness. He exposed his powerlessness. In verse 12, let me show you a good leader, folks. Or you said, Pastor Benny, the good leader is the man says, I'm large and in charge. That's not what leadership's about. That's not, that's not leadership. That's, that's dictatorship. 
Let me tell you what leadership is. Leadership's Jehoshaphat. When he said, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. You, you, you want to be the spiritual leader in your home, sir? You, you want to be the spiritual leader? It's not saying, I'm in charge. <laughs> Brother Benny said, I'm supposed to be in charge. Call me Big Daddy. I'm in charge. <laughs> now, you want to be the leader in your home? Let your wife see you on your knees where your head bowed and said, God, I need direction from you. I don't know where to go. I need direction from you. I need guidance from you. That's leadership. That's leadership. See, listen to what I've learned, folks. Vance Havner said it so well. He said, God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, Broken bread to give strength. I started studying the Bible. And I realized God used broken bread. In Matthew 15 and 36, Jesus broke the, the seven loaves and the fish and fed 4,000. I realized that in Mark 2 and 4, they broke the roof and let down a man with palsy. I realized in Mark 14 and 3, the woman broke the alabaster box and poured it on the head of Jesus. I realized it was a broken body in 1 Corinthians 11 and 24 when Jesus said, take eat, this is my body which was broken for you. And God showed me what I use is broken things. I use no broken body. I use broken relationships. I use broken situations. I use broken jobs to receive honor and glory. And ladies and gentlemen, it'll be a great day in your life. And it'll be a great day in my life when we realize, God, it's not us, but it's you. And let me tell you the fifth thing he did. He enlisted his protection. <laughs> yeah, in verse 15, the prophet told Jehoshaphat, he said, Jehoshaphat, let me tell you something. The battle's not yours, <laughs> but it's God's. <laughs> the battle's not yours, but it's God's. I, I, I read about a little boy, little old frail boy, Three big bullies jumped on him. I mean, just big old guys. You know, big enough to eat hay and dumb enough to enjoy it. Just big old guy. <laughs> jumped on somebody smaller. What kind of person jumps on somebody like that? Three big guys. And you know what that little boy did? He looked the biggest one right square in the eye. And he drew a line in the sand. And he said, I dare you to step over that line. And that biggest bully stepped over the line. And he got over on the other side and looked at that little boy and he said, I'm across. 
What are you going to do about it? He said, you know, I was just thinking. We're both on the same side now. (laughs) You know what we need to be, folks? We need to be on God's side. Abraham Lincoln was asked by a lady during the Civil War, President Lincoln, do you think God is on our side? He said, ma'am, I'm not concerned with God being on our side. I'm concerned with us being on God's side. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? He enlisted his protection, but let me tell you, there's a sixth thing he did. He engaged his preparation. Now, God said, the battle's not mine, it's yours. But in verses 16 and 17, God said to him, get this, you got to get this down. God said, the battle's mine, but tomorrow you go out against them. The battle's mine. But tomorrow, you go out against them. I've had preachers say to me, I'm going to preach Sunday. The Lord's going to fill me with what to say. Lord's going to fill you with a bunch of hot air if you don't prepare. Because see, in everything in life, you have a part and God has a part. Everything in life. God said the battle's mine, but you go out there. You, you go out. Hey, somebody says, God puts the berries on the trees for the birds. Yes, he does. And they'll starve to death if they don't go get them. They'll starve to death if they don't go get them. I'm telling you, folks. No, nothing, nothing. You've got a part two. I, I can get on something there. I, I love to tell the story about the guy that goes out and gets the land Oh, it's rough land. It's rocky. Thickets all over it. Trees, debris. He clears the land. Picks up the rocks one at a time. Removes them off the land. Teals up the land. Luscious rows he plants of corn. And a guy comes by and says, My land, what a beautiful farm God's given you. He said, Oh, yeah. But you ought to have seen it when God had it by himself. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, he engaged his preparation. Let me tell you the seventh thing he did. He established his praise. (laughs) It's in verse 21. Look what he did. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of his holiness. Now, here's what I want you to understand. They were still outnumbered greatly. They were going against three massive armies. But what did they do? They praised the Lord. You say, Pastor Benny, I didn't get a good report. You praise the Lord. You say, Brother Benny, my husband left. You praise the Lord. Brother Benny, my job's not going well. You praise the Lord in advance. Anybody can praise the Lord when things are wonderful. But we're to praise God when the battle doesn't look good. Many times it blesses me when I look out over the congregation and I see people 
that I know are going through hardships. I see people that have gone through things that I can't understand. And I'll look out there and they'll have the glow of Jesus and they'll raise their hand in praise to the Lord. They'll raise their hand in praise to the Lord. It's biblical, by the way. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give unto you the desires of your heart. The delight comes before the desires. You just praise him. You say, Brother Benny, I can't even pay my bills. Well, praise God, you're not one of your creditors. Amen? We just praise him. There's always something to praise the Lord for. I came to church this morning. I got back home after I ran five miles. I got back home and I said to Barbara, I said, Barbara, I just praise the Lord. She said, why? I said, well, I had an accident last week on my way to church and I didn't have an accident this morning. I'm just going to praise the Lord. Oh, folks, you don't, you don't understand what it, let me tell you something. If, I, I, just, I just told a young man in my office who was a professional baseball player. I said, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand something. This professional baseball player was in our 830 service. I said, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I was from the wrong side of the tracks. I lived in nightclubs, taverns, honky-tonks. Literally for weeks at a time, I'd be on the street having nowhere to lay my head from pillar to post. Didn't even know who my daddy was for God to do what he's done in my life and put me in a pulpit. Oh, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to praise the Lord. He's been good to me. Oh, let me tell you something, folks. God called us. God called us to be called and chosen, not to be cold and frozen. Amen. There's nothing wrong with praising the Lord. He inhabits the praises of his people. You say, well, Pastor Benny, you're a holy roller. I'd rather roll into heaven and slide into hell. I'm going to praise the Lord. You say, wait, wait, Pastor. I'm dignified. It's just beside me why a doctor acts like you do. Here's the problem. He's beside you instead of inside you. And when he gets inside you, you'll have something to praise God for. You say, oh, Brother Benny. I'll have to go get me a sophisticated church. Well, there's First Baptist Frigidaires of everywhere. Go get them. Dr. Jack Frost in the pulpit. Go get them. Nobody's saved. Nobody's lives changed. Sacred sorority for snubbing sinners. Oh, the emails that will roll in this week. And I'll have to take half of a baby aspirin to sleep tonight. Let me give you the last point and I'm done. He enjoyed his provisions. Let me explain. You got to get this. These three armies are coming against Jehoshaphat. God supernaturally causes the three armies to turn on each other. They destroy each other. Folks, let me tell you something. When you realize the battle's not yours, but it's God. When you give it to God, he'll work it out. It's not you to be concerned with how he works it out. Just give it to him. He'll work it out. Oh, I promise you, folks, he'll work it out. 
I mean, folks, get real. If you don't believe that God is a miracle-working God, if you have a problem with that, look around you. You're in Hooterville. People everywhere. No man can generate this. This is a miracle of God. This is what the Lord has done. Now, the three armies come against. They turn on each other. You know what's amazing? Jehoshaphat and the people go out there, and they get their possessions. They get their spoils. It takes them three days to carry this stuff back. I don't know what it was. Three days to carry it back. And here's what I've learned. Satan's opposition is an opportunity for your greatest blessing. Satan's opposition is your opportunity for your greatest blessing. They never would have fathomed, folks, that they would have gotten all this stuff. But it would not have happened had they not been in the battle. And you say, Pastor Benny, I'm in the battle. But you never know what God's going to go through. You never know what God's going to do in the midst of that battle. See, this is what I've learned. A bend in the road <laughs> is not the end in the road. <laughs> Amen. And, and that what you think is a stumbling block may just be a stepping stone that God's going to take you higher. Listen, listen, let me, let me tell you something, folks. I believe this with every fiber of my being. Never lose faith in the end of the story because as our musicians are coming, if you honor God, God's going to honor you. That's the word. If you honor God, you say, Brother Benny, I've been done so wrong, and I understand. Sometimes it happens. But let me tell you something. If you honor God, God will honor you. And you go through a tough time, you keep your eyes upon him. You say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. It's amazing what the Lord would do. It's amazing what the Lord would do. It's amazing what the Lord would do. Isn't he such a good God? Isn't he so worthy to be? He's so worthy to be praised. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ 
as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.